Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. Oi, friends, welcome back. Once more into the fray we go. We are ticking down the episodes until we are uh, out of episodes, I suppose, is the way that I should say that. I don't know. You can tell I don't really like go on a script on these things. I just kind of sit here in front of this microphone and ramble till I run out of stuff to say, and then it's time to start the show. So let's begin the rambling. Um, just kidding. Hey, everybody. How you doing? I hope you're well. I'm doing pretty good. Um, Today, we are reading the last of three readings for Nailgun Messiah, and that's pretty exciting. We have kind of a longer reading today, three separate scenes, a Lila scene, a Micah scene, and then a scene from a point of view of a character who we have not um, had their point of view before, and I'm not going to spoil that. Um, I'll let that be a surprise when we get there, but... I just wanted to say thanks for coming with me on this journey. Make sure you go to jimheskett.com. That's J-I-M-H-E-S-K-E-T-T dot C-O-M. Sign up for my mail list, and you get the prequel to this book for free. And you can also get Nailgun Messiah for free in ebook format uh, on Amazon and iBooks and Kobo and Nook and some other places too, places you never heard of like 24 Symbols and Foundry and Scribd and, and other stuff that I can almost guarantee you you've never heard of before. But anyway, if you want it in print format, uh, that is not free. You get you got to pay money for the dead trees, and you can get that at Amazon, and you can get that at um, uh, Nook. I'm pretty sure you can get uh, you can get it in print, uh, Barnes and Noble, not in the bookstores, um, as far as I know. But you can get it at the Barnes and Noble website. And if you want an audiobook, it's not available yet. Uh, I'm sure it will be someday, but I mean, you're kind of getting an, an audiobook right here on the podcast for free, so I'm not sure why you would need it in audiobook format, but if that's a thing that you're into, um, I'm someday all of the Micah Reed books will be available in audio. Just not right now, you impatient person. Settle down. All good things to those who wait, etc., etc. Anyway, I don't feel like I really want to do a long recap before this episode, uh, I'll just say this, uh, to recap, listen to yesterday's episode. How about that, huh? Why don't you guys uh, hold up your end of the bargain and listen to the episodes instead of me just telling you everything that happens all the time, huh? How about that? And if this is your first time listening to the show, you're doing it wrong, please go back to episode one and listen to them all the way through because that's how it works. Um, this is a serialized show, not an ongoing hippy-dippy listen-whenever-you-want kind of show. Nelgan Messiah podcast requires your commitment. I demand allegiance and commitment from my listeners, and you will give it to me. Okay, anyway, I think that's all the rambling I'm going to do here at the beginning. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our reading this week. Lila parked in front of 1623 Caribou, feeling the anxiety of stillness when she killed the engine. All the cars were gone except for Rodney's. The trees that provided the natural fence around the house seemed closer, looming. 
leaning over it as if they would come alive and start thrashing their branches, tamping the house into the ground. She stumbled from her car, her chest heaving and legs weak. Vomit and Cyrus's blood had dried on her neck and face, and she could feel it peel and flake as she turned her head to look around the property. Tracks through the snow everywhere. Feet and tires and the little paws of animals. She felt eyes on her, boring into her, examining her. There was no movement through the woods or up the hill behind the house, but it didn't feel right. No longer safe. No longer home. This building she'd called her own for the last eight years had become just another collection of wood and concrete, a place others would soon call home, where someone would decide they no longer wanted the beautiful grandfather clock or other elegant antique furniture. They would tear out the fireplace to put in something modern, rip out the wood-burning stove, destroy the roof to slap on solar panels, tarnish it with the riches of Babylon. It would only be another house to those new owners. And whatever it became, it was no longer hers, and she had other things to worry about. Had Eagle already killed Micah and the rest of them? Had he already removed everything from the basement? If he hadn't yet cleared out the basement, they were still at risk. Instinct told her not to go in the house to check. If she did, she could become trapped in there. No, she needed to find Eagle because he was the only one left who would understand he was the only person she could trust. She looked over at the nail gun in the passenger seat, streaked crimson with blood. She'd spent all the nails in the chamber. She crept away from the car and stumbled to the tree with the knotted root, the one where she and Eagle used to meet when they didn't want to be heard in the house. When they would talk about what life would be like when Cyrus came home. Wasn't ever coming home. Bugs crawled up her back, pinched and bit at her spine. The lamb was dead, gone, not the anointed one. But then who was? Someone had to be the savior who would bring home the 144,000 souls who craved salvation. Who deserved that honor? Lila dropped to her knees and brushed snow off a box nestled on the roots of the tree, then opened the box. Inside, a fully loaded pistol looked back at her, shiny and ready to go. Micah raced across the street, tumbling into a group of coffin racers dressed as Star Trek characters. He knocked Captain Kirk to the ground and Mr. Spock bellowed about the intrusion, but Micah didn't bother with apologies, because Eagle had his eyes dead set on Magda and was closing in on her. He didn't even look out of place with the nail gun. He seemed like any other freak out on the street this morning. The crash with the coffin racers had drawn attention, cheers and taunts from the crowd. When Micah finally freed himself of the screaming Star Trek group, he looked up to see his sister frowning at him. Magda, he shouted. Get away! Eagle is coming! With the booming music from the nearby beer tent drowning out his words, she only cocked her head and made a face at him. Why would she listen to anything he had to say? Micah pushed forward, and now he could see Eagle had changed direction and was marching toward Micah. Eagle's broad shoulders knocked festival-goers out of the way, and many of them barely even noticed. Eagle lifted the nail gun and Micah put himself between the nail gun and Magda. Most of the crowd still had their eyes on the parade as the hearses and coffin racers continued to dance down the street, but a few people around Eagle had taken notice. Some of them seemed to realize the weapon in his hand was not a toy and were calling for help, but it didn't matter. Eagle was too close. 
Eagle lunged at Micah, holding the nail gun's safety off with one hand as he moved. Micah leaned back and out of the way as a nail flew through the air next to his head, but he bumped into someone behind him. A glass of beer fell onto his face, cracking against his nose. Micah's eyes instantly filled with tears from the impact, and the world went blurry. He was able to see the form of Eagle's dark duster jacket through the blur, and he jumped to the right, out of the way and into the street. Eagle turned with him and Micah's vision cleared. More people nearby were now reacting to what was going on, and a man tried to grab at Eagle's nail gun. He jammed his elbow into the person's face, driving him back into the crowd. More people swarmed Eagle, trying to get the weapon away from him. Micah used the distraction to rush at Magda, then he grabbed her by the arm and pulled her past the sidewalk between two buildings, a slim alley. "'What's happening?' she said. "'Why is Eagle trying to hurt you?' Micah realized the space between the two buildings narrowed and dead-ended. No back way out. "'He was going for you, Mags.' "'That, that can't be true. Why would he do that?' Micah snatched at her arm so he could drag her out of this alley, but Eagle appeared, blocking their path. He didn't have his nail gun anymore but he reached into his boot and pulled out a knife. The blade glinted as the clouds above briefly parted. "'Eagle,' Magda said. "'What are you doing? Why are you acting like this?' "'I'm sorry, Magdalene,' he said. "'But we all have to die today. "'It's the only way for Lila and Cyrus to be safe "'so they can release their preachings out to the world. "'We're not the carriers of the message. "'They are.' Magda shrunk back behind Micah. As Eagle lifted the blade, Micah checked the alley around him. There was a row of kegs stacked at the far end of the building and a few lengths of pipe resting nearby, but Micah wouldn't get there in time. Fists versus knife wasn't a fair fight, but he had no choice. Eagle advanced, his blade out. Micah could see past him to the crowd, and they seemed to have forgotten about the nail-gun-wielding madman already. Micah considered calling for help, but his voice would be lost in the cacophony of the festival. He had to get Eagle off balance, or turned around, or something. But this attacker in front of him was a trained police officer, also a psycho with a knife. Micah spread his legs and lowered his center of gravity as Eagle approached, put his hands out at his sides. No matter what, he could not let this man get past him to reach Magda. I never trusted you, Eagle said. Go fuck yourself, Micah said. Eagle grinned, his eyes darting around their surroundings. Then he jabbed and Micah twisted out of the way, the blade passing within an inch of his stomach. Micah tried to latch onto Eagle's hands, thinking he'd use Eagle's momentum to drive him into the wall of the building. But Eagle was too quick for that. He changed the direction of his attack, slashing Micah's stomach. Micah felt a sting across his midsection and then the heat of blood meeting the cold air. He didn't feel gut spilling out, so the wound must have only grazed him. No time to look or feel around for the damage. But now that Eagle was off balance, Micah threw the palm of his hand into Eagle's shoulder, forcing him to the ground. Micah drove down, extending his knee, which he slammed into Eagle's thigh. With a hand gripping his shoulder and a knee on Eagle's thigh, Micah succeeded in pinning him, but only for a second. Eagle, moving so fast Micah didn't have time to think, recovered and spun onto his back. Micah went flying onto his butt. Somewhere, an air horn blasted. Eagle tried to sit up and thrust the knife, but Micah scurried back on his hands a few feet, keeping clear of the blade, felt coolness rush to his stomach. He was bleeding. Micah lunged forward, dodging to the right to avoid the tip of the blade as Eagle's arm was fully extended. Micah lifted his hand to push the blade out of the way and slammed his head forward, the hardness of his temple connecting with Eagle's nose. 
Eagle tried to shake it off as something came flying through the air from Magda's direction. A metal pipe smacked him in the head and he wobbled. Micah saw Magda's extended arm out of the corner of his eye. As the impact happened, Eagle dropped the blade and his hands rushed to his face. Micah saw his chance. He grabbed the knife from the slick ground and thrust it into Eagle's side, felt it scrape against bone as the blade pierced Eagle's flesh. Eagle's eyes opened wide and he gasped great lungfuls of air. He staggered to his feet, crashed into a trash can which clanged into the building. Then Micah jumped back, frantically searching for Magda so he could protect her. Eagle wouldn't be done yet. She was huddled against the opposite building, her arms out wide and gripping the wall. Another length of pipe clutched in her hand and several of them at her feet. Micah threw his body in front of hers. Eagle looked down at the blade jutting from his stomach, then he staggered to his feet. But instead of coming after them, he pivoted toward the open end of the alley. With one last look at Micah, he lumbered back into the crowd. Eagle's car slowed in front of 1623 Caribou, its driver, in a daze. He parked, yelping in pain from the knife wound as his hand shifted the lever from D to P. He willed himself not to feel the pain, but his body refused to respond. Every movement made his side burn, but he was afraid to remove the knife. He lost too much blood, but he had to get in the house and clean out the basement. He'd failed at taking care of Micah and the others, but he could do this one last thing at least. Could make Lila and Cyrus safe from persecution, safe from the government. He had to do this one last thing. He stumbled out of his car and his eyes focused on a few stray drops of blood that dripped from his side onto the clean white snow in the yard. One set of tracks in the snow looked fresh. Someone else had been here recently. He stumbled over to the knotted tree, but the box with the emergency gun was open and sitting on a pile of snow, the weapon gone. Didn't matter. Get inside. Have to get inside. His head throbbed and his jaw clenched so tightly that he didn't think he could open his mouth. His hair fell in messy clumps around his shoulders and he lifted one hand to brush it back. The other hand stayed by the knife, trying to keep the flow of blood slow until he'd completed his task. Every movement rubbed the knife blade against his abdomen. A rustle came in the trees nearby, the sound of voices. Were those real? Whatever it was, it didn't matter. He lurched toward the porch, digging in his pocket for the house keys. He stumbled up the stairs and the wound in his side bellowed. For a second, he thought he would pass out. He leaned against the doorframe as his vision returned to normal. Not yet. Couldn't stop yet. The wood of the house felt cold and comforting against his shaking hand. He fit the key in the lock and staggered inside the house, frigid and dark and empty. He hadn't seen this house devoid of people in all the years he'd been living here. With his eyes on the basement, he struggled to lumber through the house without knocking over everything in his path. A squelching sound came as his boots hit the ground, and at first, he thought it came from snow or mud on the bottom. Then he realized his feet were wet on the inside of his boots. Blood had dribbled down his legs and soaked his socks. Eagle fiddled with his keychain to find the basement key and jammed it in the lock. As soon as he opened the door, he slipped, landing on his ass on the first stair. He cried out as the knife jabbed him deeper, slicing his guts into pieces. He imagined his organs torn open, blood and bile mixing inside him. Didn't matter. He had to finish this one last task, and then he could die. Not before. 
Lila and Cyrus had to survive. They had to be made safe. He eased down the stairs and hit the light switch. Then he stumbled toward the table with the stacks of wrapped brown packages. The front door swung open as noise came from upstairs. The ceiling of the basement creaked as a person or people moved across it. Didn't matter. Focus. He grabbed a backpack next to the table and stuffed all twelve of the remaining packages inside. The last one caught on the backpack a zipper and tore. A dusting of off-white powder puffed from the hole, and Eagle studied it for a minute as it drifted and then settled on the floor, like snow. He didn't have time to clean it up. Didn't matter. Getting the bricks out was the most important thing. He slung the backpack over his shoulder and stomped back up the stairs, and as he turned into the hallway, a bright light flashed in his eyes, voices rising into his shout, giving him commands. Eagle found himself across the hall from a white man wearing full-body armor, a helmet with a plastic visor, and the words ATF across his stomach in bright yellow lettering. The man shouted something at Eagle, and two more like him hustled through the entryway to join him. Now they were all shouting, standing shoulder to shoulder, but Eagle couldn't hear what they were saying. The noses of their assault rifles pointed at him like dogs at attention. Eagle stared at the three little black holes, three tunnels of darkness. With a scream, he hurled the backpack and yanked the knife out of his side. He lunged forward at the nearest ATF agent as the first bullet penetrated his shoulder. It didn't hurt, felt more like a pinch, but it did twist his frame. The second bullet hit him in the neck and he spun his body back in the other direction. The backpack bounced off a wall and a brick of cocaine burst and tumbled out onto the floor, white spilling into the cracks between the floorboards. Another bullet hit him in the thigh, but Eagle was still churning his legs. He raised the knife and two more bullets punctured his chest. The world went sideways as he felt air swishing by his face, then the cold wood of the hallway hit him in the side of the head. More shouting. A distinct memory appeared. Eagle, at three or four years old, at his parents' house in Arizona. That massive front door to the house, the one he hadn't been able to open yet. The inner doors, the lighter ones, he'd been able to open for a year or more. But that front door had been too big, too solid. And then one day, he tried the knob and found he was now strong enough to twist it and open the door. How proud he felt that he was big enough to finally defeat that door after struggling with it for all of his young life. Then, his eyes closing, sounds in the room dimming, his hand flexing around the hilt of the knife, bloody and slippery, then blackness. All right, everyone, that is our reading for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, so we finally found out what was in the basement, and we got to see Eagle meet his end. Um, if you could hear me, I don't know if you could hear this, uh, but I was grinning as I was reading part near the end there because my cat came into the basement, jumped up on my desk, and decided she wanted to bump her head up against my microphone. So I was working my hardest to to keep her from doing that while also trying to not lose my concentration. And I'm not going to redo that part because that's just how I keep it on the show. I keep it raw. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. And you'll be a brand new episode coming at you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon.
Thanks for listening to this week's instalment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskid.com forward slash nailgunpodcast for information and we'll see you next week.